to Freedom Speak. I am your host, Becca Maria. I hope you guys are digging the music. I just, I like music so much from all different eras. <laughs> um, welcome back. You're listening to Conservative Talk ABQ, KDAZ, 96.9 FM, 700 AM, and listen from anywhere at conservativetalkabq.com. We're in the third hour, and uh, time has been really flying by today. So I got some good stuff I want to talk about in this last hour. I want to uh, hit uh, the end of this stuff we were talking about on these. What, what are, I wanted to talk about what is the actual jurisdiction of the U.S. Supreme Court? I hear people all the time talking about how, well, we're just going to take it all the way to the Supreme Court of the United States. thing that you got to keep in mind, and it's covered in Article 3, Section 2, of the U.S. Constitution. The Supreme Court only has jurisdiction over, over cases that involve something that is like interstate in some way, in which there is a case in which like one thing in one state is, is, is bringing some kind of a case against something in another state. It could be a person against a person. It could be a company against a person, a company against a company. Anyway, it has to involve crossing state lines. And that is the authority of the Supreme Court. If you've got a local case that is within a state, the U.S. Supreme Court does not have jurisdiction. Now, chances are, if they were doing what they're supposed to do, when you try to bring that case to them, they would just tell you right up front, hey, you know, we're not going to take that case because it's, it's, it's outside our, our authority. So I'm just going to read you real quick Article 3, Section 2. We'll talk about it for a minute. And I have a feeling this is something, there's definitely some things in this, uh, in this section that Tim is going to have something to talk about. <laughs> The judicial power shall extend to all classes in law and equity arising under this Constitution, the laws of the United States, and treaties made or which shall be made under their authority to all cases affecting ambassadors, other public ministers and consuls, to all cases of admiralty and maritime jurisdiction, to controversies to which the United States shall be a party, to controversies between two or more states, between a state and citizens of another state, between citizens of different states, between citizens of the same state claiming lands under grants of different states, and between a state or the citizens thereof and foreign states, citizens or subjects. So as you can tell, it specifically talks about how it has to be something that involves not something within the same state. So, what do you think, Tim? I know you're going to have some comments about this one, aren't you? <laughs> I'm going to try to stay settled down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Supreme Court, uh, during our break here, I was sharing with how uh, they're Dun & Bradstreet. They're a corporation, and, and it says, doing business as. <laughs> mm -hmm. So... DBA. It, that's right. It's a DBA. And the true fact is, is that the original jurisdiction were over four categories. And you're correct, um, Becca. The, the exact wording of Article 3, Section 2, and the actual meaning of what it, it's talking about is it's like ambassadors, mm -hmm. public ministers, council, states, 
at party, meaning like state against state, or um, the people that are feuding from state to state. So they shall have, the Supreme Court shall have appellate jurisdiction. So that's the only cases that are supposed to have it. However, <clears throat> and once again, I am not a lawyer <laughs> and I don't give, le give legal advice or anything like that. I've just studied this stuff and, and I've you know enthralled myself in it. But the true fact is, is that the way it's supposed to work, once again, like how everything's upside down, is that the Supreme Court, you are supposed to be able to bypass the usual lengthy process of appeals because that's what they're taking is about 10,000 cases per year and they decide what cases they're gonna take. So <clears throat> what, they're, what they're doing is that they have switched it around and not pe let people know that you could actually, if your case happens in, in a state against another state, say, say you're dealing with Arizona and New Mexico and there's a, a conflict there. After a court hears that, then you could take it directly to them. You don't have to go through appellate courts. And that's the only jurisdiction they have. So a lot of these types of cases where people uh, have brought before the Supreme Court, it's because they're a corporation. They don't follow their own uh, constitution. They, they've literally switched the original constitution that has all the meaning of how they're supposed to operate under their jurisdiction because everything comes down to status, standing, and jurisdiction. And when you go into their courts, the judge will always say, what is this matter? What is the standing of this matter? And where is the jurisdiction? And every single bar attorney lawyer is going to uh, give you meets and bounds of venue, meaning the land of the venue, like the counties where it took place. That's the, that's now the jurisdiction. Well, the fact is, is that there, there, it's not about the jurisdiction of the land. It's not venue. It's actually jurisdiction over cause, which has to do with the actual case and matter of the case. What is the evidence? The problem is they don't listen to evidence anymore. Evidence doesn't mean a doggone thing. They just throw it out the window. Kind of like the voting fraud. Exactly. Tons of evidence. And I won't get off on this too much, but it, it, it triggered a thought with me. If you read Judge Dale's, uh, uh, it's like a 67-page deal on it. They actually did Gore versus uh, Bush with the Chads mm -hmm. for a reason. They did it so they could bring the voting machines in. It was all pre-planned. Doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't surprise me at all. Exactly. So it, it really comes down to jurisdiction. And if you have the proper jurisdiction, which is our land and where something took place, how do you try it in a court that's dealing in maritime law? You only have common law as your actual true remedy. We have one common law court that's functioning in this whole country and it's in Texas and people are bringing their cases there and it cannot be overturned by the federal government, by the state governments, because it's, it's fixed. So people are bringing cases like these mass mandates, people losing their jobs, they're bringing them to that Texas court and they're actually holding a true trial, trial by jury. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
So another thing I want to cover is I want to talk, I saw this um, article in the Epo Epoch Times, Epic Epoch, I don't know, I think it's pronounced Epoch. Anyway, about how uh, Biden is talking about ghost guns and how he wants to crack down and it's just the start of gun control. Michelle, could you play me clip one? President Biden cracking down on guns as America faces the impact of a historic crime wave. The president accused of having misplaced priorities and going after firearms and the Second Amendment instead of focusing on putting criminals behind bars. The president announcing a ban on so-called ghost gun kits, which are privately made firearms with untraceable parts, ordering his Department of Justice to make it illegal for a business to manufacture them. These guns are weapons of choice for many criminals. We're going to do everything we can to deprive them of that choice. And when we find them, put them in jail for a long, long time. If you commit a crime with a ghost gun, expect federal prosecution. Not just say, expect federal prosecution. This rule is an important <laughs> step. It's going to sound bizarre. I support the Second Amendment. You have a right. But from the very beginning, the Second Amendment didn't say you can own any gun you want, as big as you want. You couldn't buy a cannon when, in fact, the Second Amendment passed. And certain people from the very beginning weren't allowed to purchase guns. It's nothing new. It's just rational. Ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines. What the hell you need 20 bullets for? You must be a hell of a terrible shot. There's nothing to do with recreation. And speaking of bizarre, check out this moment. The White House actually let the president play with a gun. Well, Order packages like this one over here <laughs> that includes the parts you need, the direction of assembling a functioning farm. You bought a gun. Take a look. Take a look at this. Comes in this package. I bet he you can't put it down here. Maybe. I doubt that's it. Exactly what this it was. I doubt it. <laughs> Okay, that's enough. We can cut that off. <laughs> oh, I mean, there's so much wrong with that. I mean, it's like we weren't at the beginning allowed to have guns. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah. Was there ever a time during, uh, after the founding of the United States of America that we weren't allowed to have guns? I, I don't think so. It's like part of the reason for the Second Amendment was because of what we went through with England in which exactly. they were actually trying to confiscate guns. They were coming in and taking guns and taking ammunition. And that's like, can you own a cannon? Yeah, as far as I know, I don't think there's ever been any restriction on owning a cannon. Um, and the, the Second Amendment doesn't limit what kind of no, guns not. you can have. Nope. The, it, gun, the Second Amendment clearly states, and I've said this over and over and over again, I'm sure you've, you're tired of hearing it, but I want you, all of you to understand this, shall not be infringed means that no, no restrictions, no, no rules on what you can have, no rules over whether or not you have a tw 20 round, by the way, I have 30 round magazines. It's like 20, that's too small. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's, and do I need 20 bullets? Well, maybe, maybe I will. Maybe, maybe I am uh, in the midst of a home invasion. I don't know. Maybe I do I need 20 bullets. It's none of Joe Biden's business whether or not I have 20 bullets or 30 bullets or whatever I have. It's no business of his. 
And the Constitution clearly protects my right to have any kind of gun I want and any kind of magazine and any kind of capacity I want. Heck, this guy has even proposed that they take away your 9 millimeter handguns. It's like, well, gosh, I got a couple of those. And so he has no idea what he's talking about. And, and does he even really know what a ghost gun is? How many of you know what a ghost gun is? Or at least they're calling it a ghost gun. I, I don't know who came up with that name. But let me tell you what they're referring to, okay? Because I do know a lot about guns. I can tell you that this so-called ghost gun that they're talking about, basically, let's say, for instance, let's use an AR-15 as an example. It's like... An AR-15, yeah, you can go and you can buy a store-made AR-15 that's like a brand name, like a Bushmaster or whatever you want to buy, and it's completely assembled and it's got all Bushmaster parts or whatever manufacturer, Rock, Rock, uh, Rock Island Arms, and they make good guns. But the thing is, what a lot of people like to do is they like to buy the parts and assemble their own AR-15 the way they like it. It's like uh, the one I have is like that. Um, in which, you know, you get the upper and the lower and you get the, you get all the other parts, you get the barrel and, and you can customize it with the, the kind of parts, let's say you want to put a scope on it or you want to put a flashlight on or put all kinds of accessories on it. You'll have rails and stuff like that. You get it put on it. You might want a collapsible stock. But what, what they're calling a ghost gun is basically the only part on, say, for instance, an AR-15 that is serialized is the part on it called the lower, okay? By itself, it's, it's harmless, it's not a gun, but it has to be paired up with all the other parts. So the serial number on your AR-15 is dependent on the serial number that it is on the lower, okay, which is the part called the lower, and that's the part where you slide your magazine in and, and, and it, all the other parts attached to that. So the ghost guns, what people are doing is they are buying a, a kit to complete the construction of your own lower. Basically, you've got it, and, and the inside of it is not milled out. And they give you the, the milling bit, and you can use a drill press, and you can, you can make your own lower. And that way, you can build an AR-15 that the government doesn't know about it. They don't know where it is. They can't track you. And nothing in the Constitution says that the government has the right to track you or know what you have. Matter of fact, I would say that totally falls into the shall not be infringed category of registering your gun and the government knowing exactly where they are because once they know where they are they can all they can come and confiscate them all that's certainly what happened in nazi germany that's how they started they started by registering them so the government knows where they all are why why else would the government need to know where they all are unless they want to have the ability to come take them away any comments on that tim very good points so, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Um, <clears throat> Biden's a knucklehead. <laughs> yeah, to <laughs> say just, the least. <laughs> just doesn't absolutely, I mean, education, people are just not educated. The important part about the uh, Second Amendment is well-regulated milita being necessary. Is that pronounced milita or militia? It's, it's milita. Milita, okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's where the word military came from. Right, okay, that makes milita. sense. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> being necessary to secure of the free state the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. 
So the important part of this is to know that our founders, when they set up our constitution, if the government could buy a cannon, you could buy a cannon. We had to be equally armed in case our government ended up where we're at now, exactly. which is a runaway government. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because the people were able then to be able to take back their country if the government ran away on us. So that's why the Second Amendment is so much under attack is because if they could take our guns, then they could really control us. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So therefore, the true meaning of why our founders put it in there is that it's equal one to one. I mean, I would really like to have like an F-18 or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah I, I, I've always wanted to fly one of those. Wow, that would be so cool. <laughs> it would be. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, another thing, too, and like I, like, like I mentioned earlier, is that I have read the Constitution several times now. Reading it one time, you are not going to get the meaning of the Constitution. The, uh, there's so much in there. It's yeah. kind of like when you go out and you watch a, a, a movie, like, oh, that old movie Airplane. Oh, my God, I love mm. that movie. It's so hilarious. Mm -hmm. And I've watched it several times, and each time time I watch it I see things yeah. that I didn't see on the other times that I saw it's like oh I because there's so many little things going on at the same time it's like so every time I watch it I, I love it it's like oh I didn't see that before yeah well same thing with the Constitution when I have read it over and over again each time it's like there's so much there. I mean, it's so beautifully written, and the words are so simple to understand and read, but yet there's so much meaning there that, that parts of it refer back to other parts of it. So I caught something here, and this is one thing the government is constantly trying to tell you all the time. They're trying to tell you that the militia is, a, is referring to the uh, military, the... the, the people that work for the government as soldiers in the military. They're trying to say that the militia, the militia, whatever you call it, is somehow government ran. But, and, but it's not. And, because, and you have to understand the language of the time as well. Not to mention the fact that the United States did not have an army when the country was founded. Everybody were just citizen mm -hmm. citizens mm -hmm picking up their guns and joining the fight. Right. And, and here's an interesting thing, too, that I found. Article 1, Section 8. Okay, to provide for organizing, arming, and disciplining the militia, and for governing such part of them as may be employed in the service of the United States. Now, wouldn't you take that as meaning that, oh, they're not all employed by the United mm -hmm. States. Mm -hmm. uh, the militia is not in all in the employee of the United States. That right there reinforces the, the fact that the militia is we the people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's right. Mm -hmm. And we the people have the right to keep and bear arms. So I, I, I caught that one. It's like, oh, that totally helps back up that, uh, back up that argument. Go ahead. And with that said, I mean, just the verbiage, and then that, that's what I was going to go to into this, is the verbiage of what our Constitution states literally, clearly helps us, the people, okay? Mm -hmm. So with the article or with what Joey said, okay, the wording that they're using is going to frighten the people. Mm -hmm. Ghost guns. What is oh, that? Oh my guns. gosh! Why? Why are they out there? And uh, in that video ghost that guns. yeah, ghost. in that video is that it like Casper the Friendly guns. Ghost? Are they friendly right? guns? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and people. Do, well, then again, people. But people wouldn't know. But one of the things that uh, stood out with me on that was, it isn't the guns. Mm -hmm. 
is the people behind them. That's right. You right. know, so don't go after my gun. Don't go after my guns. The people who are behind them and do the crime are the ones we have to go. But the way they worded, the way this, this whole entire agenda is as of today, right now, is what is scaring people or making people think twice about it that are not, again, like Tim said, educated to understand this. They're controlling the narrative. Of course. You know, it's always control the narrative through yes. the media. It's mind control. Mm -hmm. um, to point, to, to sort of tag on to what you were saying, Becca, the milita is us. Mm -hmm. it, it is supposed to be, it is actually all of our duties to be mm -hmm. a part of each state that we live in, that we reside at. We are supposed to be part of that milita. Yeah. And we are supposed to, and as I said, we, we can then be called up to be able to defend any of our other states. So that's why the Battle of the Alamo, they came from all different states to defend it. Mm -hmm. Yes, it did. Because they were part of the Milita. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. We the people. We the people, yeah. that's right. Yeah. So I've got this other article that I found that I found to be really fascinating and it was actually on the Daily Wire. I've, I've gotten to where I just love reading the Daily Wire. Mm -hmm. It's like one of my favorite go-to places these days. That and the Epoch Times, I, I go through those and I have been finding so many great articles on there that I often use for my research. Anyway, they had an article on there they posted that was called Sociological Contagion and the Growing Non-Binary Movement. <laughs> okay? And it's like, ooh, that one caught my that one caught my attention right away. It's like there is so much craziness going on. And like you were talking about, you were talking about how they're controlling the narrative. I mean, they're trying to indoctrinate our children in the schools and this may not have been caught so soon if there hadn't been this scamdemic over the past couple of years in which kids were being forced to do school from home and their parents were saying, huh, what is this you're learning? What? Exactly. Really? Yep. And it's like, how long has this been going on? I would guess it's been going on longer than two years because I'm seeing a younger generation that has some pretty crazy ideas about things. And it's like, mm -hmm. wow, how long has this been going on? I, I know when I went to school, when I was in elementary school, we weren't learning that garbage when I was in elementary school. Mm -hmm. That's been a long time ago, you know. But and I don't, yeah, and I don't think we, because from what I can remember, no, this had to have happened, you know, after we, after in the 90s or something like that. You're younger really than I am, right? So A little bit. Yeah, a little, a little bit. Not, not much. It wasn't going on when you were in school either, right? No, not no. at all. Yes, I, I just kind of no. wonder when it started. I don't know. No, but yeah, the indoctrination is definitely there. And the, and this is the most saddest thing because I did look into that and I looked into it more and I've been listening to more, more recently is that they're going after our young children, you know, our kindergartens, our first graders, that age where they absorb everything and the indoctrination. But going back to the parents, you know, we wouldn't have noticed that. Um, I have people that have come in and we've talked to them where they're literally, what are you reading? And they're shocked. So I have had parents pull their kids out, either gone into Christian schools or homeschool their kids because like, no, 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 that's not what you should be. Why? And going up to the teachers and actually, you know, yelling at them and say, why are you teaching this to mm -hmm. my child? You shouldn't be involved in this, ma'am. No. Yes, I should. It's yeah. my child. The sad thing is a lot of teachers are com are complicit on the whole thing. Very much so. Because Very maybe so. they were, I don't know, probably a lot of teachers are pretty young, I would yeah. imagine. Mm -hmm. I 
I remember when I was in school, I thought the teachers were all old, but they were in their 20s. <laughs> it's like, it's like no, no, they, I did have they weren't old at all. Yeah. So it's entirely possible that the, the generation, a lot of the generation of teachers that are out there right now are also indoctrinated mm -hmm. with this same garbage. So, and then they're teaching this garbage to, to the children. And I talked to my mom the other day and she said, oh my God, she says, if I was, if you kids were young now and I, and I was, and you were in school, and and I found out about, I'd be pulling you out of school right now. You definitely would not be going to public school. You'd be going to a Christian school or I'd be teaching you at home, one of the two. Exactly. No, yes. And that's, that's the other thing. A lot of parents are not aware. Of, I can't say not aware. Maybe they're just not, have the access to do that too. Mm -hmm. You know? It's hard. It is. Most, most parents are struggling to, mm -hmm. to work. They're working and it's all they can do to work and come home and then and spend some time with their kids while they can. But it, it's hard and, and they've got people in this place where it's hard to push back, but you've got to find a way, I'm telling you. It's like your, your kids need to be your most valued possession while they're little and it's like you need to do whatever you can do. And if you have to pull them out of school, you need to do it. In, you need to do it. I don't care what, what it takes. Well, that's one of the things that we've also, as far as legislature, you know, hey, pull your kids out. Trust me, Board of Education is going to get a hit, and yeah. they're not going to be happy about that. And once that hit comes, they will change their mind because yeah. it's all about money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would be really, really, you know, like, like Tim said, he don't watch any TV. I, I do and <laughs> because I, I'm an adult now, and I critically think, and I can filter things out. But, you know, kids are very impressionable, and... Mm -hmm. I've watched a lot of things, things that I like to watch on movies and TV series that I enjoy watching, and I just simply filter things out that I think are ridiculous. But they, and, and I want you to know right up front, it's like I, you know, I, I have friends that are in the gay community, and, and I, I know, and I don't have any problem with this at all. And it's like, but... The thing is, is indoctrinating young children when they're impressionable, that's what's wrong, okay? They need to figure these things out on their own. Oh, yeah. And if they figure out these things when they get older and they decide, yeah, this is how I am and this is how I want to live my life, then, then they should be able to do that. But the thing is, is indoctrinating them when they're still figuring things out and they still should be allowed to be a child, a child. And, and, and play and, 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 and do things that little kids do. I mean, I, I remember that when I was that age and it's like, I wouldn't have wanted to have that screwed up the way they're trying to do the kids nowadays. It's like, you know, my childhood was, was I wasn't thinking about these things. It's endangering the innocence. Yeah, That's really it is. what it is. Let them be yeah. innocent as yes. long as they possibly can. But... But in this article, it talks about the, the difference in the, the generations in which people identify different. They're talking about the LGBT, people that identify as LGBTQ, okay? And it starts all the way down with what they classify as the traditionalists. And those are people born before 1946. And in the survey, they said 0.8% of the people from that generation identify LGBTQ. Baby boomers, boomers, which is what I fall into, which is 1946 to 1964, 2.6%. Gen X, 1965 to 1980, 4.2%. Millennials, 1981 to 1996, 10.5%. And now, the latest, the Gen Zs, 1997 to 2003, 20.8%. Now, what is the reason for this? 
Um, well, like Francis, I told you, I watch a lot of TV. And I can tell you one thing is, besides the indoctrination going on in the schools, there's indoctrination going on in the media too. They, if you would watch, if, if you were, let's say for instance, if you were a space alien and you were catching TV shows from Earth and you were watching them, you would assume that probably half the population of the planet is LGBTQ. Because in every show that you watch, it's like there are LGBTQ people everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, that's just not the case. Mm -hmm. It is fringe. It is minority. Um, but yet they're trying to make it seem as though it's a huge percentage of the population. And children, one thing about children is they often give in to peer pressure. Yes, they, they, do. they do things because their friends are doing it. Because if you're not, if your friends are all doing it and you're not doing it, then you're just not cool. It's you know? the fad. It's the yes. fad. Mm -hmm. You know, just like, well, you have tattoos, okay? Yeah. At not so much now, but that used to be the fad all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, if you didn't get a tattoo, you weren't cool. You weren't in the club, you know? It's like, well, gosh, I don't have one. Well, I never got one, but, and I was totally fine. But it's like, you know, God help you if you got the tattoo with your old girlfriend's name on it and, and you have to explain it every day to your, to your new wife. Oh, well, yeah, uh, yeah, Debbie, yeah, that was somebody else. It'd and be hard to find another Debbie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So this article I read, it went into some interesting points and I just highlighted a few things in, it, that, I, that caught, my, caught my eye where they're, they're talking, they're trying to push the idea nowadays that, that transgender is common and it's everywhere. And it's not, it's, it's not, no. very, very rare. It's a very, very small uh, minority of the population. It's not common in any way whatsoever, but yet they're trying to make it seem like it's common. And so they've come up with this new term, which I found to just be crazy. They, they call it rapid onset gender dysphoria, okay? <laughs> to where you can be totally uh, normal, okay? And the reason I use the term normal, don't think that I'm being um, phobic in any way whatsoever, is that normal applies to the majority of people in the population, okay? That is considered a norm because 80 or 90% of the population is this way, so they, they consider that the norm. But they're saying that people that otherwise identified as normal right up until just a moment, and suddenly they have this rapid onset come over them, and suddenly they're the other way. An epiphany. Yes, just suddenly. Yeah, just like that. Mm -hmm. um, that's absolutely insane. No. This no. is not something that rapidly onsets. This is something that would would be with you for you your entire lifetime and it just kind of gradually just evolves e evolves yeah, and finally has. comes to the point it's like okay I, i'm just going to accept this because this is something i've been dealing with my whole life and it's like no it, it, there's nothing rapid onset about it at all right and if you talk to anybody in the gay community they'll tell you this like no this is just kind of i've always felt my entire life ever since i've been a little kid nobody talked to me about it as a matter of fact up, up until recently people that were different uh, often were you know you heard the term closeted 
mm-hmm. didn't tell anybody. No, they never talked to anybody about it. It developed all on its own. I think from I think for us three, we were in that generation where it wasn't talked about. No, and, you know that's why that you know when we were in you know late high school or early college, oh they came out of the closet. And right. Like, okay. Yeah. So, but yeah, but one of the things, and um, I'm going to refer back to uh, my pastor is he said, you know what, talk to your children, really talk to your children because they need to understand that this isn't the way it is or this isn't what they should be listening to. And again, most parents cannot pull their children out of school. It's just the way, you know, economically or whatever reason, or they're just single parents. They're not able to do that. Yeah. But the indoctrination for the young ones is the most disturbing thing because they're actually showing books and slides in school. You know, uh, it, it's just I like, wow, how much more can this go? And... The thing is, why aren't we pushing back? Yeah, we have to know. push back. And you know, as far as legislation, you know, that's one thing I would always say. You know what? Give back the right to the parents. You know, the parents need to have control over their children, not the board of education. Yeah, and you know, another thing that we're dealing with that is actually having a negative impact on kids, I believe, is the onset of the uh, revolution in which information the information revolution that's going on right now kids are walking around with thousand dollar smartphones i i don't know why parents buy their kids these smartphones i would never buy mine my my i would be the most uncool parent in the world because (laughs) i'd tell my kid yeah i I would kind of say like what my parents told me it's like well if you want a phone go get a job and pay for it you know and that's what i would tell my kids you're a kid you don't need a phone and, and when you can get a job and you can pay for it, then you can get one if you want. But the point I'm making is that there's all this information out there that you, you can't supervise what your kid gets off these phones. I remember when we were kids, you know, one thing that would be a really naughty thing for kids to do when they're teenagers is to, to get a hold of a porno, pornographic magazine or something. Mm-hmm. And now... Well, you can just simply find any, all the exactly. pornography you want right there on your smartphone anytime. Not hard to get at all. Very true. And it's just everywhere. And it's like, and then any, any, anything you want to get. So parents, by giving their kids a smartphone, are just enabling them to have access to huge amounts of stuff that they really would not approve of. I think Susanna was, was right on the money with this. <clears throat> and that is talking to your children. Mm-hmm. You know, the communications that parents have had, it's, it's more or less like we've turned our children into latchkey kids. Yeah. They, they just aren't being supervised at all. And most of all, they just aren't being, they, parents aren't spending time with their children and actually talking to them about these serious issues. You know, I know, I know my wife has always done that with our children. We've never put our children through a public school. It's all been, you know, self, you know, schooling. But, and I know most parents can't anymore. Mm-hmm. That was part of the divide that they wanted to cause too when they made both parents start working. Well, that's why the they're fighting back so hard against school vouchers exactly. and all this kind of stuff. Right. They want to make it as hard as possible yes. for you to remove your child from the system that they want to put them in. Mm-hmm. And that's what this is all designed to do. But it's more important what you had said, Susan, I 1,000% I agree with. Wouldn't you rather talk to your children about these things, of course. no matter how in-depth you have to get, rather than letting them? Because we know that they're just going to feed your children lies. Mm-hmm. And once again, it comes back to the money, like you said earlier. Mm-hmm. 
and the narrative. Mm -hmm. It's always, if you can control the money, you can control the narrative, you can control the people. And that's where the people need to start speaking up, educating themselves, mothers and fathers speaking with their children. Of course, now you go to the, the school boards and now you're registered on the FBI list, you yes. know, that you're a terrorist and I was going to go list. to that point. Yes, oh, that's yeah. sad. An that insurrectionist. Is, uh, yes. I mean, all of these things that yeah. they're doing to try to prevent people from having control over their own children. Mm -hmm. yep. The narrative is really, really huge. And it's, but again, education and getting people on board to say, you know what, I'm fighting for my children because, you know, we're we're on the downslope. We are, you know, we're we're we're, but our kids are not. You know, they're they're the ones who are going to be the next generation if there's a next generation on here. Right. But we're they're the ones that we have to continue keeping them on that track, and it's it's very difficult right now. But that's why, you know, having to stick together and being able to talk among each other and be able to just continue the support is what we really need. Yeah. You know, because there's a lot of people out there that have no idea or they're lost. And in the old days, uh, it was a community to raise children. Exactly. And, and you know, when I grew up, it wasn't uncalled for for another neighbor to whoop my butt. You know, yes. the mom, the mom, <laughs> that is true. You know, or yes. seeing my mom running with the spaghetti spoon down the street chasing yeah. one of my friends. My mother used a, yard, a wooden oh. yardstick. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. Yeah. No, we had, and I don't know, and you, your friend may know the one who uh, had a Mexican mom. My mom had a spoon that was about maybe two and a half feet <laughs> a long wooden spoon, right? One of those big wooden spoons. Yes, yeah. and that was her choice. And until my brother got big enough that he literally broke it. Then he's like, and she was so angry because she's like, now I gotta go buy another one. Like, but oh, you see, yeah. they, but you see, they actually captured us in a whole other way, mm -hmm. which is that they set up CPS because now you turn around and you spank your child. You even look at your child crosswise, <laughs> right? And they're taking your children because they're the ward of the state of your children. Well, there again, mm -hmm. that's another so. way for them to prevent you from raising your own child. That's right. Exactly. Where biblically, you know, it tells us that we should not spare the rod. You know, we, we are supposed to be able we to discipline to, our yes. children. And, and I tell you what, uh, I'm the youngest of five. I watched all my brothers and sisters get their whoopings, and I didn't get very many because I saw what happened to them. I'm like, uh-uh, it didn't happen to me. <laughs> and what was the weapon of choice for your parents? Oh, we were Irish-Italian, so my, gr my mom would always have the, the spaghetti spoon. Oh. Like, like you were right. talking about the long spoon? The long spoon, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, actually, yeah. a wooden spoon, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then when it, when, it's, when it couldn't do that anymore, then she... she Whatever she can get. When, you know, when it's can. soaked with spaghetti sauce. <laughs> oh, no. No. Well, you, well, you know, my mom was telling me about how her mother would discipline them, and this was really awful. They, she would send them out because they lived out in the country. Mm -hmm. She'd send them out to cut a switch off a tree. Exactly. And it's mm -hmm. like, they get to choose their own. Yes. So it's like, well, gosh, do I pick the, the one that's flexible, that, you know, really stings? when it, mm. Do I pick up, do I get one that's, larger you know right. uh, yeah which which one do i want to choose i watched my two sisters one time my dad says get in the room and it was always put your hands on the bed and you know you get mm -hmm. a whooping they were thought they were so smart they took those like pillows from the couch and <laughs> stuffed them down their pants <laughs> my sister jumped forward as my dad went to hit her and got her across the back of the legs and i was like that was dumb you oh you shouldn't have no oh yeah no but yeah that's one of the things that um you know, it's not instilled anymore. And I actually have witnessed where people like, they talk to them. Now listen to, no, you have to listen to your inner voice. Listen to your inner, and I'm looking at like, what inner voice? <laughs> that child just told you to go, you know what, mom? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, if it was my child. And you know, I am not, I, I have nieces and nephews. Um, 
my brother's kids, it, they, they were always, my brother, for whatever reason, he's brought them up, right? All that look. He's in the military, so that look just did everything. The look, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But my cousin's kids, I mean, I've had to, you know, at, when they were little, had to discipline them. And I'm like, wait, 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 what'd you say to your mom? Come here. Mm -hmm. Come here. You know, and it was based on what my mother, you know, my parent, what my mother, because she was a single mom. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's long gone. That's why I've always respected the Hispanic culture. <laughs> I mean, the, the families are so tight. And the, I mean, everybody knows the uncles, the aunts, the cousins and everybody. But they, they've never had that where you're off on your own. Literally, you've always had a unit there that they always care for each other. And those uncles will go after you yes, and make sure that you'll be disciplined. Mm -hmm. And and it's, I don't believe it obviously harming children or anything like that. But there, when you don't have the fear of the Lord, exactly, then then you don't know who He is. And mm -hmm. it's the same thing if if our if our children know that we have that responsibility to discipline them. I can tell you, my children never had to be disciplined because we always talked to them we mm -hmm. always educated them when they did something wrong they got punished right. but we never had to spank them because they already would they just cry because they they felt so bad <laughs> for what they did you know yes. you know one one strategy that my mother used to use all the time is she would always place a lot of trust in us and it's like we felt guilty to to do anything it's like no i would disappoint my mom if i did that that's right yeah, yeah. it's like and that was very effective as well. Mm -hmm. I, I have to admit, um, being that my mom was a single mom, um, from the ages, I was about maybe eight or nine. My brother was about six or seven, somewhere around there. Um, we were afraid of my mother. Now, my mother was only like 4'11", 4'10", <laughs> you know. To, to us, she was a huge woman, you know. But we were so afraid of her till about we were 18, 19 years of age. And it was, I think it was more the respect uh -huh. than the punishment. As little kids, I mean, I told you not to touch that, and, you know, you're going to get a spanking. Um, but it was the respect that we had for her that we just didn't want to do anything. And the minute we did, oh, my gosh. I mean, my mother... All she had to do was just yell, and we were just, oh, no, oh, my gosh, I did something wrong. But, yeah, that, that uh, we were afraid of her until about 18, 19, and then it just it became more the adult type of thing after that, you know. Yeah. yeah, it was, yeah. We've lost so much of this, though, that in the communities, I mean, wherever the communities are, you know, whether it's Chicago or Los Angeles or anywhere, the respect and, and once again, going back to the Hispanic culture, there's so much respect there. Um, but that's something that needs to be brought back because you mentioned this earlier that there's, there's this new generation coming up. And if they don't learn some of these values that, that are starting to be lost from our generation, where, where could they ever go? I mean, it will just get so bad that you know, it, people will just be, you know, fighting each other everywhere they go because they don't have a, a respect for their common fellow person. And that, you know, back to, back to that point, um, my mother is the last one out of her generation. I mean, all my uncles and aunts have passed away and she's sad about that because she's like, that's it, I'm done. But she was the youngest too. Uh, we've always had that respect. And mind you, you know, I have cousins that are 60, I'm 50, we have co younger cousins that are 40. We had that respect for our elders. Now, it's funny because now I'm becoming the elder along with my other cousins. And that, that's still in our, in our Hispanic, um, you know, culture, you know, that is still there. Now, I don't know about the, the 
my niece's kids. I have no idea because we haven't really um, been around them. But that's one thing we always had. We always had the respect towards them. No matter what, we could be 80 years old and they're 100. We had that respect towards them. Gosh, Becca, I thought she was 30. No. She God. does look like about 30, doesn't <laughs> she? No, she does. <laughs> no. Yeah, you do. Yeah. No. Really? Oh, thank you for you that. That's amazing. You know, I was shocked the other day. I went to the movie theater, and I was able to get the senior citizen discount. <laughs> no, and you did not. No, I did, really. <laughs> oh, my I, gosh. I, you know, my, my roommate, he, you know, he's obviously a senior citizen, and he always, you know, gets the senior citizen price. <laughs> and, I, and I was just kind of curious. I asked him, it's like, what is the age for senior citizens? And the guy says, 55. I said, Really? Well, give me two <laughs> tickets then. It's like, wow. Oh, God, I feel so old. I remember yeah. about five years ago, we went out to a restaurant, and the young little girl behind the counter, you know, it was like a takeout, Yeah. says, uh, sir, do you have your AARP card? And my wife looked at me and started laughing. <laughs> now, that was before I was, you know, 55 or older. Yeah. So... I wanted to uh, cover a little bit more of this article. A another spot I found in her, and J.K. Rowling, okay, you guys know her from the Harry Potter series. She's, God, they've really gone after her over the years because she's a Christian, you know. And she expressed her grief after reading tweets like this. And this tweet goes, at 16, I was prescribed testosterone after two therapy visits. They didn't ask about my... BPD or past trauma? BPD? What is BPD? Maybe you can think of it. I, I can figure that one out. I now have PCOS and am awaiting testing to de determine if I need a hysterectomy. In other words, it made her ill, okay? Testosterone therapy can potentially have some really bad side effects. Um, I need a, whether I need a hysterectomy, this is a 16-year-old. Wow. Or have cancer. Wow. And I will never be able to afford breast reconstruction. My consent was not informed. Rally, Rowling tweeted in response, this breaks my heart. I've now spoken to many young women who tell similar stories. So, you know, the, other, the way I was talking about earlier, it's like when you're younger, you get a tattoo and maybe regret it later on. Yeah. This is something that you're changing your life forever. Mm -hmm. It isn't something, it isn't a matter of just a, a tattoo that maybe you don't like anymore. This is, you've changed who you are. You've changed your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. You have changed who you, can, who you can date, who you can marry. Mm -hmm. You've changed whether or not you can have children. It's like all of this, I mean, this is an enormous life-changing decision. And they're trying to influence these children into making these decisions in which their brain is not even formed to a point in which they can make these kind of decisions. And or the parents themselves, some of them are actually having sex mm -hmm. changes of children that children. are two, three yes. years old. Yes. I don't even, I, I don't even have any idea why would you do something like this. Nuts. I really don't know. Um, BPD, bipolar disorder. There you go. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, that's Very it. Very good. And they pointed out here, this makes me think back to the cabbage patch kids craze of the 1980s oh, when this. out of the blue our children just had to have one of these dolls and then not long after this our kids tossed the dolls aside mm -hmm. the craze was over well in this craze you're making a decision in which you can't just toss the dolls aside and decide you've changed your mind mm -hmm. 
you have made a decision that is life-altering. Some parents of ROGD, rapid onset, said this about this particular contagion. Our children are young, naive, and impressionable. Many of them are experiencing emotional or social difficulties. They are strongly influenced by their peers, by the media, who are promoting the transgender lifestyle as popular, desirable, and the solution to all of their problems. And they are being misled by authority figures, such as teachers, doctors, and counselors, who rush to affirm their chosen gender without ever questioning why. Wow. And see, my question is, why are you doing this? Why, why, is, why are you all doing this? Yeah, there's questions. You, you need to ask these questions. I mean, this is a huge decision, and it's not a, a decision a child should be making. Well, why, why, is, why are they pushing this narrative? That's exactly why. Why? Why are they? Yeah. What, what, what's the end game on that what, one? What, it, what is their sudden interest in pushing something that is very fringe and trying to make it mainstream? Mm-hmm. Personally, I think that it's Ephesians 6. I think that it's a spiritual war. Yes. Yeah, yes. you could be right. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. I mean, I, hands down, I've, 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 I've been stating that for the longest. This is much a very spiritual war. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're coming after our children. And I've, I've heard that so, so much. You this know? is the, yet another way that they separate your children yes. from you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. I had uh, a neighbor like three years ago. I, I was pretty shocked his children were coming out of high school. And one day we were just talking and sharing biblical stuff and things like that. And he had said, do you know that my kids tell me that everybody in high school, that it is a cool fad to say that I'm bisexual? Yeah. And I I was like, wow, like, really? And he's saying, yeah, at least half the kids claim to be bisexual because it's cool. And it sort of made me think about when we all grew up, like, Remember Valley Girls? Yes. And how people, uh, so all, the, everybody around the country started talking with this funky Valley Girl, you know, slang, right? It's the cool fad. I think that it, it, it's, I think it's gone way beyond the whole fad thing anymore. Because it's not just within the cultures doing it. It's the government trying to force it. The media trying to force it. That's why I say it's a spiritual battle. Right. Well, this other thing I highlighted here says parents also report that their children exhibited an increase in social media slash internet use prior to disclosure of a transgender identity. Academics have raised questions about the role of social media in the development of gender dysphoria. Mm-hmm. And I, I compare it to the whole COVID scandemic that's mm-hmm. happened over the past couple of years where they just bombarded people mm-hmm. with this with this narrative. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have just completely bought into it. You've got people out there that are still wearing a mask when the mask never had any purpose whatsoever except to show compliance. Well, it also- never served any actual, and there is no scientific evidence that it makes any difference whatsoever. And yet there are people, even though all of this information has come out that the whole thing is bogus, it's all a scam, Yet there are people still out there wearing a mask all the time, and they probably will, maybe some of them for the rest of their lives, because they've actually developed a 
a form of germophobia. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with the kids um, or young adults, it's a way of them hiding. You know, not yeah. only not only did we stick them in the home for what about a year, homeschooled them. They didn't they didn't social you know they have any social interaction or anything like that, and they've actually now hiding themselves. And that's one thing I've noticed. They are still hiding themselves behind it. So what did we what did they do? They put them in, you know. And they allowed them to look at everything out there and like, oh, yes, this is what I am. Oh, this is what I need to do from this moment on. You know, and the parents are like, well, I have to go to work or what are you doing? And or we get, well, is that what you want to do? Then, OK, then let, let's explore that. Because I have had parents that say, OK, my daughter is now, you know, transgender. OK, well, what, what are we going to do about it? How are we going to help you? And I'm like, you know. I'm yeah. like, okay, well, good luck with that. <laughs> I, I've, I've, no, I've not Well, like I'm always saying all the time about anything, you need to ask questions. People need to always mm -hmm. ask questions. Well, the, these young people, they don't know that. To the point you were making earlier, Becca, you're talking about children that their minds aren't even fully developed yet. They aren't able to cognitively think through mm -hmm. uh, processes. They, they, they can't see beyond today. And if they, if they can't even see into the future, there's very few children out there anymore that are saying, hey, I, I, going through high school saying, I want to be an attorney or mm -hmm. I want to be a doctor. They don't think that far ahead right. because they're only living for now. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden they're making a decision. And usually parents are going, oh, okay, let's go get that appointment. Yes. Let's do it. Instead of like really the parents taking the time because you know how these young kids are. They want something today and it's tomorrow now. something mm -hmm. different. Yeah. Exactly. So your points that you were making, how, it, I mean, it's life altering, changing for the rest of your life that you'll never go back on. Mm -hmm. And and sorry to say it, but like, there's just so many parents out there that just don't think anymore. Yeah, I know. So guys, we're almost at the end of the show, believe it or not. <laughs> wow. Wasn't that like the fastest three hours ever? Didn't even feel it. Like I a know. roller. It was a roller coaster. Yeah, so, there you go. Yes. So real quick, uh, Susanna, I want you to plug your your campaign. I want you to plug your business. You got you got sixty seconds to do 60 that. Sixty seconds. Okay. Well, uh, Susanna Vasquez, I'm running for House District 44, House of Representatives. Um, I definitely am looking forward to meeting everybody in District 44. But more than anything, if anybody can help out in my campaign, donations, that's always great. You know, we need to get the message out that change definitely needs to happen. And you know what? I'm here for the constituents. You know, I'm not a politician, ne never never claimed to be or anything like that. And I'm not in, the, in it for the long haul like my opponent of almost 20 years. Um, I own Pet Food Gone Wild. It is one of my, it's dear dear to my heart and everything. It's one of my passion things that I've, that I've done and I've created and I absolutely love, love, love my little store. Uh, we are hiring by any chance. Yes, yeah, she needs help. I need help. It's been really a struggle right now. Um, just the way things are, I haven't been able to get anybody to come in. If they do, they come in for one day. Yeah. And that's it. But you can reach me at Pet Food Gone Wild at 505-994-0101. And we're located at 2415 Southern Boulevard in Rio Rancho. Go there and tell her that Becca sent you. There you go. <laughs> okay. Tim, 60 seconds. Cool. So <clears throat> America's Assembly. Uh, that's America's with an S hyphen assembly.com. And that's where you can get onto our website. You can request invite meetings. 
There's also uh, America's Assembly at ProtonMail.com that you could email us to. Um, I am just a nobody. I'm just like everybody else. And quite frankly, um, I'm just calling upon people to just take a stand because it's just one person can make a difference. And we started with eight people and now we have thousands of people. So continue to uh, stand everybody, get involved, help your, help your candidates. If the one candidate doesn't make it, support the next one. But make sure that you are involved and get involved. In one way or another, find a way that God calls you to get involved. Okay. And like I've been talking about, the theme of the show is if you're hiding or you're running, it's time to join the fight. We, you need to, we need to take this uh, corrupt system apart a little bit at a time. Do whatever little thing that you can do. I want to plug my advertisers, Ribs Barbecue, Agave Builders, Southwest Auto Recyclers, and Perkins Protection Training. Uh, give them all your love. Give them your business. They're a bunch of patriots, and I love all of them. Go see Susanna at Pet Foods Gone Wild. It's an awesome store. She needs employees. Do you own a freedom-friendly business? Advertise on this station and support this show and many others like it. To get started advertising or send me comments or suggestions, email me at beccamarienm at gmail.com. Check out my website, freedomspeakwithbeccamarie.com, where you can listen to replays of all my shows and have access to useful resources. You can also check out my posts on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, and Telegram. Please like, follow, and share far and wide as I am being censored. Freedom is essential. Liberty and freedom are rights, not privileges. It's time to stand up, tell the Marxists that those and those that are helping their agenda, hell no, we won't comply. We are the resistance.